what was the other thing? My personal favorite line from Who's That Girl is Sasha saying, what kind of monster eats chicken McNuggets with a fork? (laughs) Which I I have a feeling that might do you. Yes, that George might be that monster because you remember he said he doesn't like touching food. He doesn't like like sandwiches. I thought about that as I said it. I was like, oh, I just don't (laughs) shit about our friend George. It's fucked up. I have been trying to eat more (laughs) foods with my hands, but it's like, is this how humans do it? (laughs) (laughs) I miss you guys. Okay. So happy to have you. All right, are we doing this? Are we starting this party? I'm Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy Rivers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us nourished our bodies and minds or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 25, maybe 26 or 27 years. Who's counting? And today, once again, we are blessed and favored by the presence of the wonderful, the magical, mysterious George Sakara. Oh, I'll take mysterious. That's nice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> George? Oh, thanks for having me back. This is always uh, an absolute delight. I'm, I'm beaming. You, you can't see it because you're just listening to me, but I am beaming right now. My face uh, is already hurting. We've already been <laughs> chatting for about an hour, and I am just busting with yes, our, 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 our last episode was like four hours we recorded. So the Big Trouble thing. <laughs> so long. Like, good luck editing it, suckers. Bye. (laughs) So for anyone who does not know, George is a filmmaker. He also has a podcast called Worst Seen, Best Seen, which is amazing. Please listen to it if you have not listened to it yet. It will make you happy. It will make you laugh. It will make you um, feel like there are redeemable men in the universe because you guys are just so super sweet on top of everything else. And you might get free fast food out of it. There's a good <laughs> yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold us to it, but you know, we'll make promises for sure. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see how today goes too. Um, oh, that's true, that's true. Right? Little, little crossover podcast action. Sure. Yeah, and we, we promote you guys on every episode because legitimately my favorite show right now is Eating After Midnight. I mean, right now in that, like, as soon as you guys stop doing this show forever, then I'll have to find something else to do with my ears. But um, yeah, it's it's great. We're sort of like this loose knit, like podcast network. It was just like a, a couple weird outcast podcasts. Oh, too that many. should be the name of our network, Outcast Podcasts. I'm sure. sure that, podcasts, but... Well, but you never know, because like that, that Muppet band was never taken, so. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yes. I listen to I listen obsessively is, to the show. Is OP is OPN an acronym for some weird right wing news network? Oh, see, that's the fucking thing, man. It's like anytime someone sends me a friend request who like likes our show, it's like I have to scroll through and make sure that they at least like at least one good thing. It's like 
all right, they've got a Black Lives Matter thing. They're fine. They're right. not racist. It's just right. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. no, I think it's O A N. I think it's O A N is the you're is right. the weirdo. You're right. You're right. Great. Great. Yeah. So we're so, safe. O P N is ours now. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm okay, down with O P N. What are we watching? Oh, we watched some kind of wonderful, 1987. Oh, and this was on the poster. Before they could stand together, they had to stand alone. I just thought we had to add that. Yeah. 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 And um, this is George's favorite John Hughes movie. I think so. It's a it's a it's it's a moving target. I think as far as his uh, yeah okay. Can I talk a little bit about my please? Can, all right. So. I always thought that Breakfast Club was his best made and best written film um, of the of his teenage oeuvre. I don't know if that's how you say oeuvre, but it's two in the afternoon and I'm drinking beer and I'm having fun. Um, but so like I, I grew up watching like Weird Science is one that I watched a lot and I think is a great movie, a uh, very problematic movie. But um, uh, as a straight white man, I'm going to explain a few things to everybody real quick. Uh, <laughs> I just had to say that I, it, it's it's a it's a character I'm trying out that uh, half of America is also trying out and it's just kind of not fun to do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Okay. All right. That's it. But no, um, you guys had mentioned when you did Breakfast Club some of the horrible shit that John Hughes wrote, and I know that that was when he was writing for the National Lampoon, a magazine that I very rarely found funny. Like when I go back and look at the stuff, it's like, oh, that's just horrible. And I think they're just trying to be as offensive as possible and push the boundaries like uh, Charlie Hebdo, the French magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not interested. But uh, I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying, I think that's the place that that came from. And uh, but anyway, Breakfast Club was when I was a little kid. I was like 10 and I got a denim jacket and I cut the fingers off of a pair of like mittens. Uh, and I had some dark gray sweatpants from Montgomery Ward. And I just thought I was a bad motherfucker. You know, I was just like this junior John Bender uh, stomping around. And uh, my mom called me on that shit real quick. Uh, it was like my first bad attitude, you know, my first real, you know, on purpose bad attitude that wasn't just brought on by hunger or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so I have a connection to the Breakfast Club below. I've been watching some of the Simpsons lately and I realized that, so we saw a couple of years back, the Breakfast Club was shown at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, which is one of the best movie theaters I've ever been to. It's 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 the closest thing to a church that I've been to um, as a non-religious person. And, uh, and it's so amazing watching on a big screen. It's very quickly obvious that Bender is really sad and pathetic and he's just fronting. It's like all defense mechanism like there's no really there's no real person there and i think that i've been watching the simpsons and it's like oh nelson is john bender but like nelson is john bender with like an actual complete story mm. and if you guys know nelson he's the bully who's also yeah. a sweetheart who's in love with lisa who i hope eventually marries lisa um for his sake i don't know anyway <laughs> i just wanted to say a few things again as a straight white man just a few things i wanted to say Oh, shut up, George. Um... <laughs>
Okay. Oh my god. Re- this is just going to be George talking and us wheeze laughing in the fucking background. This is, is what this is. This is, be is like. Yeah, this is just going to be therapy for you know my me growing up. No. Oh um, my god. Please tell just, me that somewhere there's a picture of you as mini badass Bender. Oh, I hope so. I really and I had longish hair. Um, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I was really surly, or whatever I thought surly was. You know, I was I was ten or eleven, whatever the hell I was. Um, yeah. So Breakfast Club was really meaningful and Weird Science was really funny and has like a great soundtrack. And oddly enough, like I didn't see Pretty in Pink until later. Actually, I saw Pretty in Pink and some kind of wonderful around the same time, which was like maybe 89, 90, like a little after they were out. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I kind of latched on to some kind of wonderful because I think that it's the least popular of all of the movies I've just mentioned. I think that no one thinks about that. They'll think about Pretty in Pink or yeah. Sixteen Candles at Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller. I mean, especially Ferris Bueller, but some kind of wonderful is like this weird one where it's just it's a total it's a total sleeper. Like when I told people which one we were doing, they're like, which one? And I'd have to explain it mm-hmm. to them. And then I'd have to go so right. far as to be like, it's the gender reverse of Pretty in Pink right. with Eric Stoltz and Mary Stuart Masterson, kind of. And they're like, oh yeah, I kind of yeah. remember that. Which is funny because ultimately if not for the performances of harry dean stanton and of course molly ringwald i would say that some kind of wonderful is the superior film and if we took elements of both of them we would have this idea this story would be perfect Mm -hmm. but there are some weird things missing from pretty and pink that don't connect that do connect in some kind of wonderful but then also things going on in some kind of wonderful that were better done in pretty and pink for me. Yeah, and there's some... the same brain as me. Like, <laughs> I, my note here is some kind of wonderful doesn't have the style soundtrack or James Spader, but it does seem oh. to be the superior film. Like, there's a quality to it that just seems like it's better, even though it doesn't have those things. Because I think Pretty in Pink, one of the things that we really liked about it is that it does, it's just such a stylish like time capsule of the 80s and everything's just so cool looking and it sounds good and everything. So when we watched Pretty in Pink, I was really confused by Andy and Ducky's relationship, right? Like I remember accepting them as friends when I watched it as a kid, but on this watch, their whole interaction, and remember I was like, I don't know if this is because they changed the ending. And so in the editing, they had to come at it a different way, but it was really hard for me to accept their actual long-term friendship up until that scene where they're in the bedroom and they're studying. Otherwise, all of their, the way that they played with each other seemed more like, Ducky was an annoying boy at school who had a crush on Andy and she was irritated by him. I got, I only read more irritation of him than affection for him from her. And immediately in some kind of wonderful, I was like, now see, these are, this is how friends interact. Right. These are fucking homies. I think with Ducky, I see him more as they grew up together. Like there's probably a photo of the two of them as like two year olds in a bathtub together, you know, like that kind of thing that we all have. It's like, thanks. Please keep putting that on the wall of your fucking house for everyone to see. That's great. Um, that was me at two, like smoking a cigarette, looking at the photos in my mom's house. Like, nice job, mom. <laughs> Out of fucking embarrassing. All right. Is there an ashtray around here? This is yeah. something for you to look forward to, Amy. <laughs> I'll get, once, I'll your get, kid, once your kid takes up smoking and cursing at two, it's going to be great. My kid's doing, um, he's, he's got a lot of... Uh tantrums now he's like two years old but like 
you know, totally side side note, his tantrums make sense to me. Like, you know, it's like, oh, why are my, why is my kid frustrated? It's like, I know exactly why he's mad. He's mad because the circle thing doesn't, he can't get it on the, the toy to work. Like he, he gets mad at things that actually make sense. You know, like he's, he's not one of those just random kids. Like I want pizza. No, I don't want pizza. I'm going to cry because of stupid shit. Like, yeah, him, he's just like, you know, exactly why he's mad, which I appreciate, you know, he's, he's, he's like logical. Um, and, and that plays a very important part for me in what we're discussing about these two movies. Logical. Logic, logic, yeah. Understand someone's fucking motivation. Like that's mm, mm. that's really a big issue for me um, in this movie, even though I think that it's it's the, the the superior. So, OK, so is this the IMDb here when Keith goes out with Amanda, the girl of his dreams, Amanda's ex-boyfriend plans to get back at Keith. Meanwhile, Keith's best friend, Tomboy Watts, realizes she has feelings for Keith. So when Keith goes out with Amanda, the girl of his dreams, this was a real thing for me that I was like, what in the living fuck is going on? So, so again, Andy and, and boy on the verge of a histamine incident in pretty, you could see their build, right? You could see the crush developing, whereas this thing with Keith, and Amanda makes no fucking sense to me because one, she's a twat. Sorry, but she is not cool at all. And he just seems so much more sensitive and interesting of a human being that he would like not be able to look past the fact that she is a member of the, what is it? The, the cruel heart, the big money, cruel heart society. Like she's really shitty. And all of her friends are garbage and her boyfriend's garbage. And I just uh-huh. don't see how Keith could look past all of those things. Yeah, we got a lot. The motivation is just yeah. not there for me. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, me and I... you don't agree on this film. Woo! George is going to have to come in here now because otherwise I'm going to be talking. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, this is a movie that I think that I maybe was like my turn towards being uh, a sensitive wannabe romantic dude. Um, Well, that was a cool sentence essay. Um, uh, Sorry. I've always been drawn to Eric Stoltz. He's, he's fascinating. I think he's way more fascinating than, than Leah Thompson, but I mean, she's great in so many other things. But but I do agree with you about Eric Stoltz. He's really, really interesting. It's almost like it's difficult for me because he just, he's so not a teenager. He's so, <laughs> like, like, he's so uh-huh. not a teenager. And and also he's such a serious actor. And I say that even though he's he's had his turn, like, you know, what was it? He wasn't saying anything. He was really funny in that. And then, of course, in Pulp Fiction, where he's kind of like, you know, the, the drug dealer in that. And he's, he's kind of like a bit more relaxed and funny, but in a lot of things, he's kind of got this like quiet, stoic seriousness. It, it plays really well in this film, but it is a very odd choice for a 1980s film. It's like, he, it should have been in the 90s. And actually some of, of that, like, yeah, that quiet stoic seriousness almost almost comes across borderline American psycho. When he does that train dodge, I'm sorry. That was not casual. That was, that was real weird. That was a real weird thing in the opening. There's like, what are you trying to say about him? Exactly. 
exactly like when we're going to get in the soup about that because what i don't even know about it but um i do have to say like what i didn't remember that eric stoltz though is a beautiful man he's yeah he's very pretty very very pretty face that's my first note here yeah yes maybe 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 the hunkiest i mean like sure jake is jake's hunky but like I, I mean, like for me, that's like hunky is pretty, and that's fine. The opening credits, right? Oh yeah. So they give us they give us all of this, all of this with Eric Stoltz's character with Keith, right? He he dodges trains like a psycho. He um he does art. He does the the mechanics stuff. I don't know if they did the art in the opening sequence, but he's a mechanic, a beautiful mechanic who dodges trains. And yes. then we get um, Watts. All we get from Watts is that she plays the drums. She's not, right. there's no other level to, to Watts other than she plays the drums. But I do like the image of the beating heart thing. I like that right. a lot. I like that imagery. Um, and then we get Amanda making out in her bedroom with heart, Hardy Jens, first of all. What the two fuck ends. kind of character? Two, two ends. What kind of name is Hardy Jens? That sounds like like a like an off-brand department store or an ice cream parlor or something like we're all meeting up at hardy jen's after school yeah. like who names like who names the character hardy jen's he's also vile and they're making out in her bedroom and like he looks like a grown man every bit of a grown man and there's a <laughs> my little pony poster on her wall and it's just the whole thing is real skeevy to me it's super skeevy yeah they don't just make out she she uh they they have the sex because the one of the big things that happens throughout this whole movie is that amanda is consistently slut shamed yes by basically every character every single one yeah and i don't know i i know that that you've got feelings better but i actually like amanda and i don't think she deserves it and well, I mean, I have kind of a slut in high school, you know, it's like, so what? No, I'm not mad at her for getting hers. I'm not mad at that at all. I am not mad. In fact, I have a lot of um, empathy for this girl who feels like she comes from the poorer side of the tracks and is using the one qualities that she believes she the only quality she believes she's possessed that could get her to the other side of that. That is very sad to me. That's heartbreaking. But when she says, you know, I turned my back on everything I believed in. Yeah, you did. You could have slept with whoever you wanted. It didn't mean you needed to be mean to everyone else in your neighborhood and class. Like, that's what I'm not into. Like, she really, she adopted the, like, the nasty, rich, mean girl attitude. She put that shit on like a well-fitting glove. And I just don't, I don't appreciate, I don't appreciate her for that. I don't, you know, we're going to have to get in here because I don't, I can't recall any scene where she's mean she's not oh boy she's sort of become entitled uh-huh i guess uh that's a very easy thing to say um she's like appropriated their attitude she's appropriated yeah. their their entitlement and their 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 self-importance right and that gets broken down a little bit uh an hour and a half after this moment that we're talking about right. um a, a tiny little bit yeah. I mean, she it's, also is in possibly the most toxic relationship that we have seen yet in any of these movies. This guy. No, no, no. Footloose. Takes no, the okay. no. He's, he's <laughs> terrible. He's terrible. But Hardy Jens is like a straight up gaslighting psycho, right. dude. So what you're saying, like, basically, like, the boyfriend of Footloose, at least he punches her in the face. Right. Uh, Not in her psyche. 
repetitively. Like, Craig Sheffer doesn't really look like a high schooler. Maybe. I mean, I'm old now, so I maybe don't remember. Um, but I don't remember a lot of guys look like that. No, he uh, looks like an extra on Miami Vice. He totally looks like. Yes. He's and he also dirty. He never does anything. Like he doesn't have any books. He's always just loitering. Like, right. He, he's like, there's never any occasion where he's actually in class. This is where like Pretty in Pink can say anything. They're like, oddly, they are the same movie. And this is one, one of the things where I feel like Pretty in Pink did this better. Steph is an asshole right? Steph is just a, like a real bitch, right? But he has a soul and he has depth and you can understand, you can like, you can see that like part of his yeah. ire for Molly Ringwald is that he feels rejected and he's clearly just a sad, small, little bitch man, right? Whereas Hardy Jens is just pure nasty. There is yeah. no, you get nothing about him as a human, as a person, as a character, other than I'm a gaslighting psychopath that is just out here twisting up the minds of women and being awful. I feel like Hardy Jens is the closest thing that John Hughes wrote to like Hitler or something. Seriously. That's, 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 that's a little strong. It's um, not. But, right. It's um, not. It's I'm on board with that. Absolutely. He has no, there's nothing redeemable there's nothing. about Hardy Jens where you can no. find something redeemable about Steph. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think that they that would be interesting to, to see like that character's story. Like, what where is Steph twenty years down the line? Does he reject his dad's money and become his own independent person, or whereas Hardy is like, no, he's just you know he's 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 still like you know date raping chicks at the, at the yacht club while his Absolutely. wife is at home. Absolutely. His trophy wife is at home with the kid. And, yeah. and he's so eerie and so creepy. And the way that he keeps tossing around like psychological diagnoses, like when oh, you have an man. inferiority complex, oh, oh, boy. the way he does that so yeah. readily makes me real. I'm like, oh, this kid was given a Rorschach and he has been examined as a potential sociopath. And, yeah. and he, yeah. And he's like, his parents just bought his way out of this. He's right. crazy creepy. There's a, there's a reason why the gens don't have pets. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> After he witnesses Hardy leave Amanda's house, um, he goes yeah. home and we meet his basically amazing family. And yes, Candace Cameron playing uh, with a garbage pail kid uh, cards, cards, yeah, which I thought would make George really happy having a garbage extremely, pail extremely family. happy. We used to have to hunt around in the neighborhood to find a place that still had garbage pail kids in stock because they would like sell out immediately in, in Eagle Rock. So we would like go to all the liquor stores. Yeah. I was obsessed was, like, Easter. with the, Remember they came with like the shittiest piece of bubble gum. Oh yeah. Like a stick, but it Which was. Is, yeah. Yeah. That dry powder pink piece of bubble gum that was just like, ugh. Also known as the only stick of bubble gum to go with any trading cards for all time. Yeah. And I think it was like, they just made a whole batch of those back in 1951. And it's like, these will keep, just keep, keep putting them out. Like, we're like running it would actually low. like shatter in your mouth before yeah, you yeah. could chew it. It would like yeah. snap into tiny, tiny yeah. pieces until yeah. like you had enough. Yeah. And then you had to like reconstitute it into gum. Right. Yeah. And like, like figure out like which parts, which, what's gum and what's shattered tooth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as his little sister Candace Cameron kind of like says a couple things that are more revealing she calls him she calls him semi-conscious semi-conscious key yeah 
So that, I think that's what it was supposed to be. It's like, he's in a different world. So that's mm -hmm. why he's walking to the train. He's not, he's not, he's actually just thinking about other stuff. But God, it's a weird moment. Yeah. She is one of my favorite parts in this as well as, and I totally did not do myself the service of uh, yes. getting her. Uh, um, I going to say, um, fuck. Oh, Maddie Corman. She is awesome. Linda. I Holy love cow. her. She's so good. She's so, and. It's so real. It's like maybe, yes. well, this movie has a lot of really real relationships where it's like, oh, these are real people. This that's is totally my, that's real. That's it. Actual friendship, believable sibling interactions. Like, and I don't even have siblings. And I was like, oh yeah, that all looks real to me. That's it. the whole yeah. thing when she's in his room already looking for the record. I was like, this yeah. is, this is it. It's, you know what it almost so feels good. like? It feels like Howard Deutsch, once he was free of John Hughes's obsession with Molly Ringwald and had an opportunity ah. to make this story again. He was he was liberated by the like the, the Molly confinement of having to like operate around the style choice of Molly Ringwald because that's I mean it just feels like more yeah. of a film. Yeah. Than a, than a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it, yeah. This is yeah. Wow, that's 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 great. That, that really nailed it. <laughs> as well. It makes sense. I mean, not that, you know, as you heard in our last episode, not George yet, because it isn't out yet, but as you know, we love the Molly Ringwald. It's it's great that they built the movie around her because she's a fantastic, you know, artist and she, she's got really great taste. But I absolutely agree with you. Like this, it just does feel like it has real relationships and just real filmmaking, just all about it. And absolutely real relationships because this dynamic between <laughs> um, uh, Laura and Keith is exactly me and Aaron. I used to go into his room all the time to take his mixtapes because that's what uh -huh. he had. And he would um, physically remove me from his room many times. And like the dinner scenes, everything. So, you know, my, my thing with food in movies, I don't have any of that because it's so realistic. Like the way the dad's holding the chicken and he's talking, oh, yeah. I'm just like, this is, yeah, we're at dinner. I mean, John time. Ashton, like John Ashton is the dad, is, <sighs> uh, Clifford, the dad, um, is just so real. He's so, like, he's one of the great actors of the 80s. I mean, he's, he's so good in Beverly Hills Cop and then in Midnight Run, he's great. But uh, this is his best work. Um, but also he's so grounded, like as aloof as Harry Dean Stanton is in Pretty Pink, John Ashton is grounded in some kind of wonderful, they're like sort of this yin and yang um, of dads. I, I have sweet, him down as, as, as Clifford the big heart dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, he seems overbearing, <laughs> but he, yeah, that's it, yeah. Oh, but he just, he just loves so much and he just wants so much more for his son. And it's, it, and it's not that he doesn't, so that he doesn't care that his kid is is artistic because clearly look at what the fuck they let him do to his back the back of his door in that fucking weird mm -hmm. column in his bedroom they let him go nuts you know they let him do his thing but you know he just really doesn't want him to have to be a tire salesman and bless him bless him for his, his obsession with his kid's future right yeah. like and it really does. It really does. It comes from a genuinely good place. Even when he's in the counselor's office and she's kind oh, of like God. exasperated by him pressing for this business school yeah. idea. 
she doesn't you know you can tell no one sees him as an asshole just yeah he's just it's, clifford it's, the big heart dad it's just interesting that they chose john ashton yeah. to play it and john yeah. ashton brings it you know what i mean i think that's it it's that yeah when you see him you expect taggart but instead right. <laughs> The big hearted dad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and his like silly little hat and his blazer at the school when oh, he goes and he knocks on. off the window because he's just so happy to see his kid. Yeah. He's a guy who who probably at one point in his life went bowling with Uncle Buck, you know, For like real? they're yeah. just a bunch of like good natured, although this film is not set in Shermer, Illinois. It's the one of the only or the only of the John Hughes teen films that's not set in Shermer, Illinois. This isn't set anywhere. It's just they don't they don't make a point of it, but it's LA. Yeah. You can see the the California oh, yeah. plates a few times. It's oh well that's interesting. So maybe it's just supposed to be somewhere other than it, it's California, but maybe it's supposed to be like maybe San Pedro or something. Because they were yeah. because they do something where they refer to like, oh yeah, she lives in our district, but like we don't talk like they don't that talk, they never specifically say what city it is, but you see California mm -hmm. plates and yeah. The Hollywood Bowl yeah, shows like that. there's a yeah, and that's San Pedro High. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's more of it's more of a Steinbeck, California. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> like I went to high school or something. We're driving to school now in Watts's super shitty car, Ooh. and finally, it's an actually shitty car. Again, realism. Um, and we meet Watts and her fingerless red gloves with fringe, which, which I have to imagine smell really bad. Sure. Oh, uh, well, one thing we missed one thing at the dinner, uh, and this is going to come up again. Keith is drinking a big milk glass or a big wine glass of milk. No one else is drinking milk. Keith is 18. Like, this is not something that's being forced on him. Like, his younger sister's drinking Pepsi. He's drinking milk. This is a life choice at this point. Thank you. This is my one food thing in the entire, because it says drinking milk is disgusting to me. And he does it there. He does it at every meal, including the date. And I'm upset go. about it. It's coating I, I, the glass, fatty milk. I'm like, who does this? <laughs> you know, I just had to get that in there before we move on. Um, so well, that works with his character being weird. That, that's, that's true. true. You know? That's true. That, that that's actually, true. that's actually giving more shape to his nebulousness. Yeah. And you, like, he never smokes a cigarette. He doesn't drink any beer. No, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. I think he does smoke a cigarette, like one oh. cup in, in okay. the club. Doesn't, doesn't right. Watts smoke? I thought Watts smoked. Watts smokes a little bit, yeah. Yeah, she does throughout. But okay. it's like very minimal. It's all, it's very for show. Okay. It's not a John Bender thing where it's like, no, I'm going on year five of my right. pack a day habit. Right. Or, or like Steph, who's who's going to die at 20. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, Steph, Steph, who literally can't yeah. can't breathe unless there's a yeah. cigarette in his mouth. Steph's just like, like, hey, babe, it's a race. Like, is it going to be the Coke <laughs> or the cigarettes that, that take me out before I'm 22? Uh -huh. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. I am not a big Mary Stewart Masterson fan at all. Like, I don't 100% get it. Like... I can think of one other film that she's been in that I like that's fried green tomatoes, which is oh. not high on my list on films I like. So please convince me, like remind me of something that she's great in. Um, Benny and June is not an Benny answer. Benny and June? Okay, yeah. right, then I'll uh, pull that one back. Um, oh God, it's like Watts is like totally separated from the rest of her career for me. I, I think agree. that 
I think that like within the first two minutes of meeting Watts, she's maybe the best developed John Hughes character. Like as far as like right off the bat, like you get who she is, what she's about, where she comes from, what her destiny will probably be. Um, and it's not in a very heavy handed way. I mean, it does get heavy handed at times when he asks if she wants, does she ever eat at home, et cetera, et cetera. But like, mm-hmm. but right off the bat, it's like Watts is like for real, this is a real person. And I can't say that about a lot of other John Hughes characters right out of the gate. Yeah. And, and then again, instantaneously as they're walking into school and we get to see um, one black person in the background that isn't hey, in right, detention, right. which is exciting for me. Th- th- just their relationship is so genuine. The back and forth, right. the banter between them is so genuine and so real that it's just, it, it completely, if we're comparing the two as, as basically identical films, it just completely dusts the entire relationship. That, that just that opening entrance of, of, of them walking into school completely takes out Andy and Ducky as a believable lifelong friendship for me. Same note, but I would also act that they're, I'd also add that they're actually already acting like there's a little something more like they're arm in arm and like, and actually at this moment, she tries to tell him that like she's feeling something. Like she has a couple of lines before Duncan it's just so perfect exactly. that we're friends. Like you do paint and I do drums right. and like, that's just yeah, so yeah. perfect. Yeah. And, I have and- a note over here that Eric Stoltz is beautiful, but a real dumbass. Like I've yes. got that right here. So that goes, that goes here, um, you know. Beautiful moron. Yeah, he must be yeah. the stupidest <laughs> individual in the world. I mean, because like, that's you know, actually something that I've got a problem with this movie is like maybe he's vacant as they call him, or maybe he's just fucking blind and stupid like clearly this right woman girl has a big crush on you like you cannot see it you're fucking dumb like it it, it kind of bothers me through the film because there's just we're going to talk about it numerous times it's going to be like and then again he doesn't realize that she's in love with him hmm you know it's right it's actually the one thing that I think is like not so realistic. Like you would have gotten it. Like he couldn't be that clueless, could he? And if he is that clueless, then I don't like him anymore. You know? Yeah, and it's not there. that he's like, it's not that he's like scared or too shy to do anything, say anything. But it, it's just, yeah, it's really like nothing. Yeah. Like there's blinders up. It's it's really weird. Um, as a former eighteen-year-old, uh, that's weird. You would have gotten it, right? You would have gotten it. No, I would have gotten it, but I also could have been awkward or aloof or weird about it or, or, you know, intimidated or nervous. But he's none of these things. He's just like like blank slate. They must have other friends. Like, they do they really only know each other? Like, why don't they have any other friends? It would be like, bro, have you not picked up on the fact that like Watts is really feeling you like you know what i mean like that would be a thing like there should be they they're not so weird that they wouldn't have some kind of peripheral crew but you know maybe maybe keith's dad doesn't have friends it's like all about like codependency you know so Mm. So you learn learn young yeah codependency it's true it's true i do have a feeling though it has something to do with this other thing that happens next which is duncan stops them 
and he calls her basically calls her a lesbian mm-hmm. as a put down and it, it, there is this thing throughout the whole film right like does she like boys or you know like there is this kind mm-hmm. of play with her of you know maybe she's a lesbian basically and and that would be like the worst thing in the world which is really annoying in this movie uh like that kind of aspect of it I'm, I'm not explaining this well Sasha please take over well I mean yeah they're, they're they're coming at like lesbian number one because it's an 80s movie so homosexuals are fair games for put downs right we get our one I think it's our one and only f-bomb in the film thank god I really when we come across an 80s team movie where they do not drop an f-bomb like I'm gonna get really, really, really excited. This is bumming me out deluxe that it's like in every single fucking one. When he calls her that, first of all, I'm kind of like, are they trying to play with the idea that yes, she might be because the only thing she's got to say is, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon. Mm -hmm. And she's tougher than that, right? She also doesn't feel like she needs to define or defend herself to anyone as it is 1987 and a girl can be whatever she wants to be right so she like she's not having any of it but I don't like that they're playing this whole this gender thing with her as though that's the only reason that Keith wouldn't notice that she has a crush on him so that's my question is that the reason like maybe they're trying to allude to that that she's like, he's so clueless because, hey, she's a tomboy. Right. Like maybe that's the Well, because I mean, in in, fa- in fairness, it does kind of, and again, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but by 1980 standards, she does kind of push the envelope of tomboy quite considerably by wearing men's underwear in the girls' locker room. That is just not really a thing in 87 that you could, you could do that today and no one would give two shits what you did. And it wouldn't mean that you were necessarily in any way, uh, you know, gender fluid even, to just be like, I find these more comfortable, quite frankly, because they are. Most of men's things are far more comfortable than anything we have. So, also, you know. Also cheaper and well, uh, better made. Um, indeed. <laughs> so uh, Duncan yeah. is played by Elias Coteus, because he's hot. He, but- he's one of my favorite actors alive right now. He's, yeah. And next to John Aston, I actually think he is like the most fun in this movie. Like, he's great. He actually, he's like, great. And from what I understand, he improv- improvised yes. most of his lines. Um, he does have the F-bomb and this lesbian comment, but after this, he's golden. And I have to say, when he gets in trouble uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> for having like cigarettes, <laughs> alcohol, and naked ladies cards like seriously <laughs> number one it's hilarious and number two is he like a sailor from 1990 <laughs> <laughs> carrying nudie cards it's nudie great. cards yeah uh, yeah and also just all that the, the silent work all that quiet work between him and eric stoltz when they're in detention together oh, and man. he's carving into the desk and then pops it up he's it's brilliant. really great I hear also, so he's maybe one of the only people in these John Hughes movies who has been able to go off script, like who has been, like not only did he improvise, but they it was one of those things where they saw him early on as like, we need to add more scenes with this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy is really good. And so they added a little bit more to his character, um, which is 
just a gift to the entire world, I think. Um, he pops off the screen. Yeah. Like, and when he just makes the comment, it's like he's getting in trouble. And first he's like, those aren't mine. Oh, that's for show. And then the last one, he's like, oh, <laughs> like those were a gift from your wife. Like he just. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going down with the ship, light it on yeah, fire. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> you know. But I do want to also just throw out that like what's with Eric Stoltz being like pardon a moi? Because like, he's a weirdo. That? I know, I know. Because he's, he's, just... he's an artist, man. He's a sensitive soul. Yeah. He doesn't got a fucking beret on. Don't do it. Like, <laughs> but that's I mean, but that's just it. That's just it. He's like a softy, weird, sweetie who's all sensitive and you know yeah yeah but you're right though like in that moment like for him to have chosen that and his as his retort like how could he think yeah. anything good was going to come from from speaking french to Duncan? right right well it's like putting a it's like putting a flower in the the the, the, the gun barrel exactly exactly it's exactly that <laughs> All right. So then we've got the, the the motif that has happened in so many movies, especially George's favorite movie, Titanic, um, <laughs> where a boy sketches a picture of a girl. Oh boy! Uh, in the library. Um, and it's sort, it's sort of a creepy sketch too. I like like I think the Titanic sketch is also kind of creepy. I just uh, <laughs> well, it's it's a really hard one to do a portrait of a girl, especially if you don't know her. And and here is where we will will. I'll actually throw this on the table. I think he's a little bit of a stalker. He's playing the charming stalker a little bit, like, and it, it will happen more throughout the film. He's just like around whenever Amanda's around. They've got so many scenes of him just lurking. He's lurking yeah. at her house. He's watching her in the library. He, you know, it's just, and like, he has no idea later on when Jens does that thing with that other girl. He doesn't know that Amanda is coming. So now he's just right. watching someone who's associated with her. This is what I mean. Like there's no, for me, there's no crush that develops between them. There's no actual mm -hmm. feeling that he has for her. It's, it's some weird obsession on her that like doesn't, it doesn't click for me that he would, that he would go that far. And also too, if I ever go on a first date with someone and they have a prepared portrait of me, <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of smoke that would be behind me. It's just like Fright Night. Uh, it's, I mean, like if this movie was set yes. at nighttime, Eric Stoltz would be a vampire. A very pretty vampire, I'm not going to lie. Like maybe the prettiest vampire of all time. Um, I mean, my God, those eyes. Uh, but there are some things that like this and Say Anything kind of perpetuate this uh, aggressive romanticism in um, wayward boys that's maybe... A little over the edge of stalkerism and um i don't know uh that's definitely happening here um, he's, he's, just... he's definitely lurking if we don't want yeah. to go all the way to stalker charming stalker because no, no. you know if we he's... don't want to go that far he's pretty he's yeah. like he's pretty he's pretty lurking the pretty lurker yeah I, okay well i'll go with that pretty lurker so while he's sketching her Hardy is annoying the shit out of Amanda, but he really is. He's like touching her hair while she's reading. Like, like who directed this moment? Because it's yeah. really crazy. Like he's in her face. I saw an interview with Howard Deutsch and he said, we wanted someone genuinely scary to play Hardy. And like, boy, they got it. Like this is a scary dude. He's, this is him playful. No, thanks. Yeah, right. 
I'm out. I'm out. Trust. <laughs> trust is the basis trust. of Ugh. any relationship. Just like, oh, dude, creepy. And actually, yeah. okay, so this is where my like, like I'm saying, I'm not slut shaming Amanda. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about that at all. And I have a lot of like sympathy and feeling for a girl who felt the need to do that, including this moment where I was like, well, no, no shit. She felt the need to do that because all of these adults are like kind of either crappily shitting on her or letting her get away with this. So first we have the gym teacher who catches her leaving school, coming back from, you know, ditching with Hardy. Right. And she shows up in her Gothic um, uh, gym kit. She's the only one wearing black on black. Uh-huh. Um, and she comes, she comes back and the gym teacher's like, you know, obviously like if all you wanted to do was talk, you didn't need to leave school grounds. She's like, well, what are you saying? Miss gym teacher lady. And she's like, nothing that hasn't already been said. Ho, like that's exactly. And so she gives her detention. Right. And then she gets out of detention by flirting shamelessly, really playing some yeah. dangerous yeah. games mm-hmm. with Mr. Sonner there. It was not, that was, that was ugly. ugly very very ugly on both of their parts and then the worst for me where she's concerned is after she has she's broken up with hardy and you know i'm getting real deep i'm scraping the bottom of the bowl of the soup before we even really like had you know (laughs) really really talked about how delicious it is but like she's broken up with hardy she's gone back to the locker room and he's he's blocked her way and then he follows her in there first of all the fact that not one of the two girls in just their bras screams because he's in there is absurd but he is so clearly an abusive psychopath. And she, the, the gym teacher, is actually even a little bit afraid of him. You can see it in her eyes when she physically yeah. turns him around and pushes him out of the gym, out of the gym locker, that there isn't a scene. And I want to believe that somewhere it's on the cutting room floor of the gym teacher talking to her and being like, do you need help? Like, you're clearly being abused. Like, this is mm-hmm. not okay. Like is really like that's the most upsetting thing for me about that character is that she is really in a very abusive relationship and no one but Keith seems to notice, but he's more concerned about what he wants for himself rather than what's actually happening to her. But see, I think initially, and we'll get into it soon, is that I think initially he sees that and that's one of the reasons he likes her is that he sees that she's being treated badly by her boyfriend, but the world. So he might have a little bit of a savior complex. complex. Let's let's not undermine how we feel when someone is super fly. He thinks she's pretty and then she's being treated terribly. Mm. He wants to know her. So I, I mean, like I get his crush completely. And I think that they did really good, except for the fact that he's, you know, a pretty lurker. I, it, it makes sense to me. There, it doesn't. It doesn't weird me out at all. In fact, like they make this makes a lot more sense to me than fucking Blaine and Andy flirting yeah. a little bit in a record store, and then all of a sudden I don't know. After it. that, after that gas station interaction is is really where for me I was like, if you couldn't see that this girl is truly like not only is she she's she's an asshole for co-signing on this behavior Uh she's she's a she's spineless for saying nothing like all she's got is like no no cut it out and mind your own business and she just kind of like does this like little grimace face at him but like that she doesn't get out of the car that she doesn't have anything to say about it at all i mean like she is she's 
I have some stuff to say about that once we get to the end of this like I, I would okay. like to just do a little bit of late stage compare comparison with this and pretty in pink but like but yeah like she's she is well I think that she's like cowed she's she's maybe you know terrified that he's gonna I mean he yeah. like what are you like in that gas station he's like mind your own business or like what what yeah. whatever he it's like oh Jesus Christ pal so awful yeah and and you're kind of see when you're abused and your abuser is right there talking to you like that, your idea in your head is not, fuck this guy, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Your idea is to minimize damage. And I get that. I, I get that. But then when she does finally break up with him, she does it so easily and with such a lucid kind of approach uh, where she's like, it's not going to work anymore, Hardy. Like she, Like she's not unaware. Right. And so that's like, why I'm like, bam. you don't, you, yeah, you don't get a pass on this. You can see that he's abusive. You can see that he's an asshole and you know that you're doing it because right. you just want to be part of this society of rich kids. That's where I'm like, yeah, you're a twat. I'm not into it. No, no, I totally. Also, disagree. what is a guat? <laughs> I don't know, but I want to call everyone that I don't I know. I want to call everybody a guat. I also don't think I don't think that Hardy would notice that his dipstick was stolen. I don't think he would ever notice because he's never going to get under the hood of that car. Yeah, because he is a guat. He is a guat. Absolutely, guat. I feel like we skipped over when I don't want. We don't have to go back, but I'm just saying like Keith's dad is talking to him about uh, high school applications, college applications. Right, Jesus Christ. Co-ed phys ed. Um, I just I have one note about that scene. We don't have just just real quick. He his John Ashton's hair in this scene is so pretty and blonde, and his eyes are so blue. He's like a big giant baby. I just wanted to say we've been talking about babies a bit. Um, He's like a big beautiful baby. I when I was born, I was the second largest baby born in the Akron General Hospital. I think I was like almost eleven pounds when I was born. So. I think I'm now the third biggest baby, but I just wanted to take a moment. You know, we're talking about giant babies. Well, I was talking about giant babies, so I have to talk about myself as a giant baby. Uh, that's all. Moving on. Sorry. I the, just the want to point out in. that um, that you brought this up the last time you were on, so I really yeah, yeah, no, I no. appreciate like how much, I, how proud you are of being. I, I really, I want every episode that I'm on, I want to find a way, like if, if I am on the one where we're talking about what's better, Neverending Story, Willow, Legend. I will talk about an abandoned baby, and then I'll talk about a large baby in Akron, Ohio. You know, it's, um, you know, I will find a way to shoehorn my giant babyhood uh, into this show every fucking chance you get. Me, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so. Well, speaking of Pete's dad, he does come to the school to talk to the counselor about it because he's a dad who cares. Um, to talk about, you know, uh, homeboy in college. And this is, of course, when Laura screams in embarrassment. <laughs> I really love that any of the stuff that happens with Laura, not, not all of it, but there's a lot of it. When things turn really like surreal and fantastical, it happens around her. Like this mm-hmm. scream thing is really like, it's almost like a moment out of um, Better Off Dead. Yeah. You know, like it happens, but no one notices kind of thing. And then also there's that moment later when um, after he's asked Amanda out and they're at dinner again. And oddly, they look very cult like at that dinner meal, because if you don't you notice, they're all wearing baby blue and white. Oh, yeah. Both of the parents and Keith are, are, are all wearing baby blue and white. And both of the daughters are in this like pink tone. 
and like they're like a bunch of Easter eggs, pause Easter eggs sitting around the table. And then she comes in and she starts talking about how this, this has to be like the craziest rumor ever floated, right? And she tells the story about how he's he's picked up Amanda. And then it ends with her making this very blue joke about like any fool can get into college, but only a precious few can get into Amanda Jones. And then the camera pulls away in this uh-huh. really bizarre way. And then like the beat shifts and the conversation changes. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I want it cause you're a legit filmmaker. So I wanted to ask you like, what do you think that choice was there? That's, it was a really interesting moment. It, it was really, it's like, wow. It, it kind of sort of diffuses how blue the joke is. And it's just like, this is a great moment. It, it I don't know. It, it's, it's sort of an odd duck moment because it doesn't just feel like an eighties movie. It's like something that, would like now be current you know does right. that make any sense at all it's just like yeah whoa this is ahead of the curve yeah this is I mean, like, whole... let, let, we're gonna let this moment sit and that's like... it that's it it was almost like it was like marinating that for a moment as we yeah. just pull away from the table yeah. and and have a little tone shift so i'm saying well this, this is just better filmmaking i mean howie deutsch has had like another year to kind of you know are we <laughs> One of the conceits of this movie is Hardy just being, and we've gone into how just disgusting a human being is. Hardy does say this great, terrible line. How can you be so beautiful and so insecure at the same time? Ew. Like creepy crawlers, which again, because I'm not going to let it go. I think Amanda has issues. I do not think she is a twat. I think she's fucked up. And I think she's got a lot of reason to be fucked up. I think yeah. she's both. And you know, we don't ever see her home life. Like we don't know what her parents are yeah. like. Like that could be a thing. Like like she could be sort of an abandoned kid or there could be some need for that. Or she could just be- Or some, she's being an asshole. Mind you, she is not a, you know, 32 year old woman working mm-hmm. in advertising. You know, she's- it's supposed to be a 17 year old girl who's really confused. Right. Sexuality has blossomed to the point mm-hmm. where she's getting lots of attention. Using that as a power and a curse. I think that there's a lot to be said for the character. And I think that they wrote her really well where. I just, I just feel like you have to really park a whole lot of your humanity to have a friend like that chick Shane and see the way that they treat other people and to do so for your own betterment. Like, I think that's what I'm saying. I think she's both. I think she's a girl with issues. I think her her sexuality blossomed and there's a whole, we understand that there's like a period of, in in a lot of young girls' Mm -hmm. lives where they don't understand the power that they wield with that and how it can turn against them. But she co-signed on a lot of shitty shit. She really did. (laughs) Just just to be in the in crowd. Yeah. If you're if you're upset that you're no longer friends with Shane, you're fucked up cuz Yeah. But she is also I, like like Hardy, clearly 35 right. years old. Mm-hmm. And she's terrible. Like she's you're absolutely right. She's shitty shitty shitty. But like they do have that scene where um they're in the car together and she's like dump him now like tell him you're not going to go on the date and she's like I just can't do it. I I'm not cool like you. Like mm-hmm. so she friends with this girl and that sucks but I've had friends who are fucking bitches before and and you know eventually they're no longer my friends but I you know I think she's still a good person I don't know the debate is on Sasha you know 
She's a twat in your opinion. She's she's completely redeemable. And I'll take it back. She's not a to- she's twatty. All right. She's not at at twat. She's twatty. How about that? Or, or guati. Guati. She's guati. She's guati. Guati. Doesn't or, it just or, sound or, like or, something that would be in a dance hall song? Yeah, the big guat. Yeah. She's 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 uh she's guat adjacent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm going through my notes here. I think we got up to the point where Keith is about to start uh, detention. Do we get into that? We I think we talked a little bit about that. Where everyone bit. else, yeah, everybody well, else in detention is like the entire road crew of the band Suicidal Tendencies. That's oh the, the, my the... god! Oh my god! The Easy E impersonator, though. <laughs> Lord. Yes. Yes. Um, Wait, actually, I think we we missed the part where, and it is important, Keith and Watts have their first conversation about Amanda Jones. Ah, yes. It's important just because this movie at this point becomes like conversations with between Keith and Watts about right. Jones. In, in, right. in increasingly random places, <laughs> I want to say. Yeah, this is where the first like moment where she's big, it's that line, the big money, cruel heart mm-hmm. society, and she's guilty by, she, she's basically saying everything Sasha's saying, she's guilty by association. And Keith is just, he doesn't even say he's got the hots for it. He just says that he's curious. Which is it. like the first moment where you're like, Keith, what's wrong with you, dude? Like your best friend of God knows how long is just tearing this chick apart. What do you think about her, rat bait? Like, rat bait's so good. Like, <laughs> she has such a strong opinion about this girl and really wants you to have nothing to do with her. Like, how do you not... How do you not clue in? And then when she like does that little laugh, she's like, Amanda Jones, like really? She's like, almost. she's already almost got tears yeah. in her eyes yeah. and he's just oblivious. Where she's like, like, oh, it's over for me. It's just over. It's Amanda Jones. Well, okay. I, I exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so she, she very clearly from the get is making it really fucking clear that she hates Amanda Jones. And he so just- more importantly, that- she loves him yes very now we've got the whole scenario when amanda gets detention so keith decides to break a set the fire alarm off and he and he does it with the same kind of cold steely nonchalance (laughs) as he dodges the train yeah boy does keith live to 30 right i wonder it's just like, well, what does this do if I put this fork in this socket? Exactly. exactly. There's just no... So, but also, who cares? It's like yeah. this sort of blithe... Uh, yeah. Uh, and also, just like John Bender, he pulls a, a fire alarm and gets detention. Yeah, there you go. I mean, like, I, I feel like Keith may have originated the term YOLO. Like, he just doesn't give mm. a fuck. He's just like, dunk, done, uh, doing yeah. this thing. I, I'm more a fan of Yodo. <laughs> oh, my God, it... Um, and, and then he, they go to detention and, and again, <laughs> Sasha already said it, but it's the only time we get black folk yeah. in this film. Um, I have some we- trivia about this. Like all of the guys in detention, which are all of Duncan's crew, were all of like these star football players from all the high schools around where they filmed this in like San Pedro and Long Beach. I love So that. these guys were all like, like super jocks and they're like, all right, can we make you look like, you know, mean, tough guys? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That that so. makes me believe that that one guy begged to be styled like Easy E. Then, 
Yes, 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 yes. Because this would have been like the like all right, NWA is breaking up. Yes, like, you know, yeah. and that makes me feel so much better about the fact that they made him look like Easy E. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm good. I'm on board. I'm on board Glad with to it help. now. Glad yes. to help. Thank you. I'm glad to help people like this movie more. Because that was going to be like a mildly problematic thing for me. I was like, really? We've so, only got two black characters. They have no words. And you made one of them look like Easy E. But now I understand yeah. that was that kid's fantasy. And I'm here for it. The next <laughs> we have is, again, another scene oh. where Watts tries to talk to Keith about his obsession about Amanda. And I don't remember where this one is, but it's, <laughs> and this is where- They're Keith outdoors somewhere. Yeah, are they walking like on a roof? Like, where the fuck are they? They're sitting around like they're having a beer. It's almost identical to the Harry Dean Stanton and John mm -hmm, Cryer mm -hmm. scene. They're outdoors. Like, I don't know if he's working on a car outdoors or there's, but it's like, it's the same scene. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, he's working. Oh, fuck, he's working on something. Yeah, there is he working on her car? I don't know. Maybe because he's which, got his coveralls on, right? Which then, yeah, which then doesn't make sense when her car breaks down later on in the movie. Um, Huh. Who cares? Right? Yeah. This is the same again. It's like like one of those like this is a random setting where they're going to have the same conversation again. Yes, where he questions who she's ever been in love with, mm -hmm. and she's like, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, how are you missing this, bro? How are you missing yeah. this? Um, it also kind of explains why he's so obsessed with Amanda, which is basically because. Like he has a savior everyone, complex. You've got to say, see, complex. this is where Watts says a thing where, like, you know, you can see I'm on Team Watts where Amanda is concerned. She's like, yeah, he treats her like shit and she gets off on it. So big fucking deal, you know? Because I know, I know mm. she's in an abusive relationship, but she's not unaware of him. She's not so she's not she does not have Stockholm yeah. syndrome. So, okay, like, yeah. because yeah. he's a professional gaslighter. So if he was really that good at it she wouldn't have ever even suggested breaking up with him. She's not unaware. I would argue that maybe just as there's many different kinds of things, there's many different scenarios of women who have been abused. Mm -hmm. And there are scenarios where they know that it's wrong and they know it's bad, but they don't know a way out of it because of circumstances. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is not the case here. Okay, well, I'm going I'm I'm to interject here as a, as a straight white man. I do not have anything to say here because it is not my place to speak on. <laughs> other than I'm ashamed of people who uh, abuse other people. So. Look, look, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it's yeah. like maybe abuse is like an accordion, you know, you can like there's there's lots of different it's ways. like a fucking rainbow in truth okay yeah. like there's so many yeah. there's so many shades it's so hard shades. because like i like accordions and i like rainbows but i don't <laughs> like abuse so then now comes this moment where again they're trying mm. to like push this idea that watts is maybe a lesbian right but oh, i yeah. don't i don't get that from this i really don't get Just that because she's looking at Amanda in the locker room, that that makes oh, her in any way a lesbian. I was worried. I was worried we were going to skip the locker room scene because I figured that out of you know these are all a bunch of like non-teens playing teenagers, but this the locker room scene that's accurate, right? That's what a locker room is, right? Am I am I wrong? I mean, yeah, pretty. I mean, it's, it's totally, louder. No, I think that like having just watched um, Sixteen Candles, there's like this weird way that they shoot the pretty girl I, I did air quotes for the people listening mm -hmm. um who are not sasha and amy 
where it's like this sort of idealized nude or semi-nude woman. And it's just, it, I look, the men's locker room at Eagle Rock High was not like this. It was very creepy. And, uh, it was like a bunch of seven-year-olds who were afraid to take off their, uh, even their sweatpants. And like all these guys who were basically 25 who had missed a few years. And, uh, so like the idea that like there's the soft light, it's, I, I find that this is maybe the skeeviest scene in the movie. Yeah, this it's, is it's the, it goes, yeah. This is the one, this is like, I think this movie does a good job of like slaloming around really kind of sketchy stuff. But this scene, I think the way that they shoot Amanda is like, ooh. Yeah, especially since they haven't established, is she 18? Because if she, right. you know what I mean? Like if she isn't, right. it's it's very much kind of like, why are we yeah. ogling yeah. this child's watching, body? Rewatching 16 Camels last night, I was like, yeah, she's 16, you guys. This isn't cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I first saw that when I was like 11, but you know, anyway. Um, I did like this scene just in the sense of like, you really understood how Watts feels as someone who isn't the pretty girl. Right, and it's it's really think, more about yeah. her, yeah, comparing herself to yes. Amanda, not lusting over her absolutely. at all. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes, yes. It's And it's really good in that way. Like it really, in my opinion, because I mean, I, I don't know, Sasha, if you have, but yeah, I've seen other women and you're just like, God, she is so fucking beautiful and I am so not, her um, and- I had exactly that moment once at a gym where Tiffany Amber Thiessen was. Okay. Oh. Yes. And she was naked as the day she was born. And I was like, I might get arrested because I couldn't stop staring. I was just like, holy yeah. sweet Lord. And see, this is really a- is that she really she would is. Turn you, that. She, she would turn you like, look, I get it. It's fine. Pretty much. Pretty much. She's like, I don't blame you. I, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I am what I am, you know? And like, and also too, just given that she's wearing men's underwear, right? And she gets teased for it, but no one calls her any names for it. Right, right. None of the girls call her out in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just, it just doesn't have that feeling on it at all that she's lusting for Amanda. Okay. So, so, so uh, now, we're, we're... now we've got, we've got um, the breakup scene. So Hardy's fucking around again, <laughs> freshman, right? And and then Amanda comes and catches him in the act. Yes. And then Keith, that, that gives Keith the window to ask Amanda out. So Hardy, they're, they're at the outside mall, like the mall, it's outside of a, a mall. And um, Hardy's just hanging out with his accountant, you know, doing normal high school stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, it's just, uh, yeah. just a couple of us 40 year old juniors uh, hanging out with our Corvettes and our right. girlfriends. Right. <laughs> chilling that dude, is, that dude is old i mean that yeah. guy should get detention for being 40 but when she when she breaks up with him right when she has the the cajones to just be like fuck you hardy it's not gonna work anymore she does this grimace face at but but it's almost like misdirected she does a grimace and then a smile but she directs the grimace at keith and the smile at hardy and then walks across the street doing these weird gestures with her arms and her coat almost like she looks like a like she's on crack it's really weird and then when she approaches Keith she's like still kind of adjusting her coat and she like leans in <laughs> sideways to talk to him like you got, 
you got some shit? Like, it's a very weird, <laughs> it's a very weird walk up on him. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's really weird. I, you know, I, I didn't notice it, but now that you're talking Go about back it, and rewatch just that you part. You'd be like. Like she's throwing off. She's like throwing off the 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 rich side of the world, and like I, mean, you can, can I, I can see it in my brain. The other side of you can see. see Sasha and I are both moving our shoulders a whole right? lot right now. Yeah, she's uh, got her arms crossed and her shoulders uh, are going up and this down. This is what it's like to be on the other side of the tracks. Again. Exactly, uh, exactly. My, her gritty side comes out. <laughs> she's parked her shopping cart and she's ready to be asked out on a date. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. And then oh, he does it. He does it anyway. This is why I'm like, this guy is, this kid is super fucking weird. Like, like, right. and, I, and he acknowledges, he's like, well, you know, if this is like too weird of a time to accept a date, <laughs> it's like, well, this is a yeah. really too weird of a time to ask someone out on a date. Like you just watched her have like an emotional meltdown. It's also too weird of a time to ask if it's too weird of a time to exactly. accept a date. <laughs> like, who, who talks like that? So, so question mark. Um, mm-hmm. Was he going to ask her out? Like, was his plan to show up and ask her out, even though she had a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Or did he see them break up and then decide to capitalize ask her? on the moment? Who knows? I, Kid oh, was just literally lurking. He was just fucking yeah. Because I mean, like, look, look. So here's the thing: he has already stared down a railroad uh, scenario. Like, right. you know, he really teddied it on uh, in Stand by Me, um, and then. Um, <laughs> And so now, like, like we're not going to talk about what he does in the in the third act. But now it's like maybe like, well, fuck Hardy Jens. Like, if he if he's gonna if he's gonna get me, he's gonna get me. I'm gonna go up to Amanda and ask him, ask her in front right. of him. Right. And like maybe it is like Keith's death wish. It's like, all right, well, I've already practiced on the train. Now I can go to outside mall and um, ask her out in front of you know date rapist and. Um, or um, uh, 80s Hitler, I guess, is what we can call Hardy Jen. Yeah, Teen Hitler. Um, teen Hitler, oh boy. <laughs> Rock <laughs> Turner's <laughs> grandpappy. <laughs> oh, oh, God damn it. I, I laughed oh too weird at that. Oh my God, here we go. That's it. Rock Turner's grandpappy. Exactly, Amy. <laughs> oh my days. So, um, <laughs> Amanda says yes. And Keith goes home to the dinner table. Oh, and boy. We that oh boy. But in the background is Watts seriously about to have a fucking right. apoplectic seizure. She is just trembling with upset. She's yes. so upset. She's yes, so, so, I mean, so upset. Again, this is the whole point. Like, he is so stupid because she's clearly not yes. hiding it well. But also too, like she goes so far, like back to like when when she shows up at the gas station with Hardy, mm-hmm. the shit that Watts is saying to him is like, it's bordering on. She's so mean. She's so you could never bag her. You're too closed up and introverted to even talk right. to her. Uh, right. She only cares about one thing, and you don't make enough of it for her to care about you. Like she just really fucking rails into him in such an unfriendly way. I'm just like, at sure. some point, do you stop and be like, hey, friendo? Why are you being so mean about this, though? Because she's so mean about it. Yeah, he, he, he's just so clueless to ask her why. It's it's really it's painful. See, I'm surprised that you don't call her a twat for talking to her. Oh, it's actually it's actually in my notes where I'm like I'm looking at it right oh. now. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention like what how cunty she is to him. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> 
And then what, just... but like what possesses her then to transcend this upset and throw herself mm. on the sword of sacrifice to be their chauffeur? I think that we still have some way to go like that yeah, yeah. might help figure it out. Okay. But yeah. I'm not sure, but I'm absolutely not sure that we're going to figure it out before we get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, stuff happens before that. Okay. Because like, while this is a better made film, I'm not sure it's better logic. Right. So uh, we'll see if this plays yeah. out. I, I don't We have the scene where um, Duncan and Keith talk and Keith he is... calls Hardy a sorry, guac. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Before the guat, uh, Keith is also, again, drinking a big glass of milk. Yep. Uh, big always. celebratory glass of milk. Boy, always life with the is fucking good. Milk. The scene here is important, actually, with yes. Duncan and Keith, though, because... It is the first of many of like people congratulating him. Yeah. Or oh God. Landing yeah. the conquest of yeah. The double breasted party machine. Yeah, and, yeah. And I love the thing with the girlfriend without skin. That's 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 nice. That's funny. That was fantastic. She's so pretty. You know the funny thing is, is like I could see this chick with skin do you know what i mean i was like based on the hairstyle and the style of like her little punky outfit i was like oh i bet that is what she looks like i can see this chick she's probably cool that was another improv line improvised line oh my god i'm I'm just dying I, i wonder if the uh i think that the improv line here was maybe like uh punch her once in the apron for me yeah is that the line that was yeah It's a borderline line for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's, he's so fucking charming. It's yeah. ridiculous. It is ridiculous how, how good Duncan is in this movie. Uh, okay, now I'm remembering why this is my favorite John Hughes movie. Right. I think it's just it's just Duncan and the and the older sister. So. So the next scene is a very interesting scene. Watts oh, yeah. tries to make Keith jealous with. Um, Ray with Randy from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, <laughs> oh, but it's a less mean Randy. I know, but he looks just like him. I actually think he's fantastic in this because he's uh-huh. actually—he yeah. actually showed up earlier in the film with a little. Yeah, where she mix. drums. On I think it. that's that's where he develops the crush. Like, do you that, mind? Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Um, he was one of the people in the roll call scene in Ferris Bueller. Like that's like one of the first yeah. things I saw him in. I just love him in this scene, and, and of course they have the great conversation about you know is she a lesbian, and then he can tell that she isn't because she has sexual energy. It plays into this idea that like is very wrong. This idea that you know, to be a lesbian is to not want sex, which right. I think the world has dismantled this because I have never sure. met hornier women in the world. Right. We're well past lesbian. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, but we, we also do get that great line from her where she's like, do you know that it's 1987 and a girl can be anything she wants? You know, she, oh, doesn't, man. she doesn't give a fuck. Uh, but he's I, hilarious. I, my favorite is um, women can be anything. I know my mom's a plumber. They have a lot so, of for so fucking good. Yeah, Ray is great. Yeah, and then he's pushing the car uphill, and he's like, "You better give me your number after this." <laughs> <laughs> and so I was thinking about this, like in Pretty in Pink, Ducky has the Dice Man, 
So I guess right. is is Ray the dice man for this? I feel like Duncan is the dice man. Well, but Duncan is also the um, any pops. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It gets complicated. Yes. <laughs> I have like a lot of like I, this is like crazy amount of notes with yarn going to like different <laughs> things and. But you're right. That's true. I think you're right. Ray is the dice man and Duncan is Annie Potts. Yeah. It has to yeah. be. It has to be that way. Otherwise so. the universe implodes. <laughs> so, so then here's this scene, which irks me. And I'll tell you why. So so Keith um, gets, gets uh, Watson's keys so he can drive Amanda home. But then the car doesn't start. Mm-hmm. So instead of going like, hey, I've got to go give these keys back to my friend and tell him where's <laughs> my stuff, he drops them and jumps in the car with Amanda and goes home. And then at the end of it, Watts has to get Ray to push her car right. to a garage because basically Keith has fucking abandoned Because her, her best friend, the mechanic, has fucked off. Right. Yeah. Like, I know other things happen in the scene. Yeah. More, you know, about the plot. But this is just, this is the part where I just would no longer have a crush on you. I'd agree. Yeah. And Mm. then he's working on his great masterpiece when music is interrupted by a character. I always love that when you think it's the soundtrack and then someone comes in and like presses the button on the stereo and you're like, oh. (laughs) It was just playing in the room, not just in my mind. And like, so Hardy comes in with a duffel bag, I think full of girls' heads and sets it down on the table and then just, yeah. And then like goes about this like horrible intimidation campaign of inviting him to this party at his house, which is, oh God, it's just all so fucking weird and creepy. This character is so awful. He is so good in this scene, like, his performance is terrific. Like Craig Sheffer is amazing. He's, he's horrifying. Like, uh, look, he did a movie a few years after this called Nightbreed, which is really, he's a very sympathetic character. And it's so weird to see these two. It's like, Oh, I should care about you. That's weird. Cause Hardy Jens is like, he's a nightmare. He is. Yeah. The, he, He's the American psycho. This, Absolutely. This is, Just the way he's yeah. like, you know, what, well, how do you think this makes me look to invite an ex-girlfriend and, and the guy who stole her from it to my party? I've taken a lot of shit for this, you know. He's so scary. Yeah. It's yeah. so creepy. And then and then we've got, you know, Keith, simp of the fucking year. Like, dude, seriously? You're just buying this? Like, well, I question your motives. Oh, yeah. you already talked to her? Oh, okay. Then we'll stop by. Like, dude. Yeah. I think he I actually think that he's he's like no dude like I don't trust you I don't trust at you. first but then as soon as he's like well I already talked to Amanda and she said it's fine like oh okay like just like I just, really yeah I don't I, I don't know I, I wouldn't go as a no no for any yeah. reason immediately no well, let's just go to McDonald's and then we can go back to uh, no one's house. And just he's he's got this amazing date. We we finally come to like yeah. first of oh all, he God. torches oh. his future to to create this ridiculous date, oh boy. and it involves a rolls, a fancy meal, yeah. 
so of a private time at the bowl and then it's going to be ended with a like a, a cameo appearance at a teen at a high school party dude you were doing so yeah. well you're doing so oh, well the museum what am i talking about there's like all this yeah. amazing date it stuff and then that if there was a cameo appearance by cameo um so <laughs> i want to know why all of these in all of these movies they all have a fucking either all ages club or a club that so mm -hmm. readily allows them in what? we did not have this how are they going so, to see mars volta on a fucking school night how is now, that happening this is the next scene is like when they go to the nightclub and this feels so out of place but this is like a a leftover from pretty in pink where they yes. go to the nightclub frequently where they establish this is a place these characters go this is a normal thing that happens for these characters whereas this is like the movie's almost over. Here's a thing that happens that you don't know about and right. go. There was a club in Pasadena called Maryland's and it was like 16 to 21. It was like an underage club and it was like a sort of like a goth industrial alternative club. And I went there a couple of times when I was like 15 and it was great. It was great. Uh, it eventually became a hamburger Hamlet. Uh, it was a very large space. Um, my first paying job out of high school was at the uh, East Coast Bagels, which was right next to the Hamburger Hamlet slash Maryland's Gothic Club. Um, so, you know, I keep it in my heart. Um, but yeah, so I, I did get to go to a club. Like I went to a, a club. So I see some of these things like, like, oh yeah, it's not that good. And there was no booze. So it's like, you couldn't have like Ducky getting drunk. And I don't think you could smoke inside uh, unless it was I mean, closed. they make some reference because, like, first of all, again, the pretty lurker, he's waiting mm -hmm. for her without her having actually been invited. He just it's... has some strange expectation that she'll arrive. Yes. And they make some reference about maybe she doesn't have ID, but who doesn't have ID? So they're well, all rocking fake IDs to get into this spot. But it doesn't make this scene does not make sense to me. This seems like this is an add on. I, I like there's nothing to build to this scene there's nothing that like yeah. makes you think that this scene is supposed to exist like if we're gonna do worse scene we're seeing this is it this is it how much time has passed between him asking how <laughs> because yeah. our first it's like, it's like a day in there her first in what's his first problem we, i mean number one she shows up cigarette dangling out of her mouth has she been drinking? Probably. She is upset and ready to show it. And then yeah. the drama, she's like, do you miss me? Do you miss hanging out with me? How long has it been? <laughs> yeah. How much time have they been apart? Weird. That's my note there. Uh... <laughs> like Tops, it's been a week, right? Or maybe two days? Mm -hmm. Two days at the most. Yeah, I'm giving them two, two days. days. Yeah. Like, he didn't ask her out like maybe, maybe George is right. Codependency really is the theme of this movie. Yeah, you're you're taught things, you know. I'm driving you crazy and you're driving me crazy. And I'd rather you think good not be around me and think good things about me than be near me and hate me because I can't afford to have you hate me. <laughs> She's really dramatic. I mean, and, she only cares then... about three things in this world, Amy. Herself, her drums, and him, god damn it. And then he still does not know. Still doesn't get it. She's what still, are you even talking about? He doesn't even know. get up. She fucking bolts and he doesn't even get up. I don't see what the problem is. I don't know what's going on. What's up? What? Why is she oh. so upset? This is followed up with Hardy following Amanda into the locker room. Ooh. Right. That creepy, creepy fucking shit. Yeah. Exciting thing. 
It's really and terrifying. Love, when he says, "There's no look, lady. There's nothing here I haven't seen before." Okay. When the when the the gym teacher yeah. like tries to, I that's I'm telling like, you, she she visibly looks afraid of him when oh, she yeah, goes no, to no. move him away, and he's like, "Nice lady, be a bitch about it. Why don't you?" I'm just like, "I don't consider yourself reported. Consider yourself arrested, dude. What the this, fuck? Like this is why everyone should carry." pepper spray if not bear spray just like right? all right sorry let me just take care I of just, your eyeball you know. here. i'm gonna fuck up your blazer exactly and duck and cover girls and- we, this is this is not a drill duck and cover and just like yeah unload yeah. a can of bear spray on his ass and like they don't give him any of the same kind of like uh, sway that Steph has yeah. where it's yeah. like it's clear that Steph's parents pay his like pay him his way out of trouble all the time and that's why he like does things like spit on the floor this kid you know you know you know his parents are in Europe and you know he's a rich kid but like why why is he loitering on the grounds why is he never in class why is he basically yeah. you know assaulting a, te- a teacher and nothing nothing is happening yeah, at least with Steph, we see him smoking a joint in the hallway, like normal high school kids do. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, like, yeah, like the more he spits on the on the floor, like nice, huh? It's like, oh right, nice, huh? I partly own this school, right? And, right. And he and he yeah. gives that. He gives that in that spit. He it's right there in it. But this guy is just a sociopath. He's just an yeah. abs- absolute fucking guati teen Hitler. That's like what. What it is. Wonderful scene with Laura talking uh, big with her friends. If you're not, if you're so cool, why aren't you over there with Hardy's friends? I also love the way that they use this word, and it happens a couple times. Well, maybe you're over here because you're false. Like I, can we bring false back in? False. Can we bring false yes. back around? Yes, that's good. Yeah, that's tight. I'll do it. I like <laughs> false a lot. I like false a lot yeah. too. Um. And then oh, this, is, this is good, yeah. She goes over to Hardy's and she kind right. of fingers yeah. meets them and then here's their plans to be sure. No, I mean Hardy's hanging out with um, his CPA, um, right. the guy who sold him his vets, um, somebody who's from uh, Bush's cabinet, um, and some other guy who's just their party friend. Right. At the mall, right. as, as one does as a teen. In blazers and sunglasses inside and yeah crisp white jeans yeah but then the next sibling scene like uh, they just get better and better the the believability yeah. the relationship between them just gets better and better when she goes and breaks the news to him that he's being fucked with and she takes you know and she's so sad about it and takes no no pleasure whatsoever in telling her brother that he's being played for a fool and she doesn't yeah she doesn't want to see him get beat up and she's sad that he's going to be hurt by this and just it's a great scene it's all great all the sibling stuff is fucking perfect now this is what happens that kind of leads into why watts would be a right now I'm, I'm putting it together i'm putting it together right. now i get okay. it i get okay. it now okay. yeah basically all right laura warns keith right and then and then he goes and sees Watts, not to say, hey, do you love me and, and everything, but just to say, hey, I found out it is a joke. You were right. But Keith then- But I'm going to do it anyway. But yeah. still, I'm in, you know, because, you know, there's well, nothing Keith, else out here for me. One of the issues I had with this movie was kind of like, you didn't really know much about him. He is kind of right. 
ambiguous. Like you don't really know what's going on in his head. You know that whatever's going on in his head is is like busy enough that he cannot even notice that Watts is fucking desperately in love with him. So maybe there's other shit going on. And clearly the other shit that is going on is this great inferiority complex about being the outsider, weirdo, um, somebody who can't stand up to these fucking awful people, et cetera, et cetera. So he wants to go on the date anyway, but now he has um, Watts on his side. So she has decided to help him in this because he's like cottoned on that he's being fucked with. Yes, so no, it makes sense. Now it makes sense (laughs) that she would want to shadow this date and be as close to him as possible should any shit go down. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and she'll get it. She'll she'll get in there and scrap. Like I oh, think that she has a better chance. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you know, she'll she'd put yeah. she'd take a she'd shove a drumstick through someone's neck for him in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Can I say I wish she would have? Like I, you know, I know we haven't done the rest of the movie yet, but, but mm-hmm. I haven't said it yet because I was saving it. But I've got problems with the end of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Major problems. Oh, major problems with. The, oh, major. Yeah, major. Like as opposed yeah. to the completely uh, carefree ending of Pretty in Pink, which is like no problems there. Uh, yes, yes. These these are two films that yes that they they require a lot of uh, contemplation. Um, and the next thing we have to talk about is money, because. Uh. Yeah, some kind of stroke takes place in his brain to make him think that it's a reasonable thing to do to take every fucking dime he's ever made, withdraw it from El Banco and buy buy this chick, first of all, diamond earrings. I'm going to keep making disgusting noises throughout this. And then Duncan pays off this guy whose face is so familiar. I can't remember what he's been in, but he's always like the like the snide, Mm -hmm. snarky, Mm -hmm. snobby dude. And he pays him off to to be able to get a hold of the roles. And this and he obviously purchases this blazer, that weird blazer that he's wearing, goes through all of these turns, all of these changes just to take this girl out on a fucking date. My future is in this box. Your future is in a tire factory where you're- Yeah, exactly. It's just a little overboard, isn't it? Yeah, this is, this is, so I think this more than say anything is very unhealthy uh, for boys who think think they're romanticists uh, because, you know, don't cash in your T-bills. That's a thing still, right? Especially um, not when you're getting an extra $16 a year per bill. Come on. That's 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 good money. Uh, by the time you're 80, you'll maybe have $800 to deal with. That is hot shit. I, I was really trying to do the math on these T-bills when he said that he had his first year's money. I was like, how many fucking T-bills did you have? That could be, yeah, that could be a lot. Um, Billions. But, but really... Oh. No, no one date is worth this. Like, look, you can just go to like the water slides in Reseda, like Daniel. Oh my LaRusso. God, absolutely. And that's like, that's like what? That's like $15 or like $10 in 1986. Come on, guys. Let's well, go be for reasonable. a walk at the outdoor mall and to the Man, club like Hardy did. Just, nice. dr- you know, just, yeah. or just drive around in that rented rolls. Like you don't have to, you didn't have to go. Terrific. Yeah. You don't have to spend every single dime on. Okay. I have a lot of problems with this, but 
It's a dramatic effect. And also, where's Watts on this as a friend? To be like, yeah, right. bro, I will, I'll walk you to the bank while you do this. Right. I don't, I look, I don't know. It, it, you know what? It is a head-shaking moment. And then, <laughs> and then when Clifford the Big Heart Dad loses his shit, you really, you cannot fucking blame him. But then, of course, nope. Clifford the Big Heart Dad flips the script on us is like oh i don't listen to you let's talk about it oh i, I had no idea that you were going through it like this i didn't yeah. know that you didn't fit yeah. in i didn't know you didn't belong yeah it's such a good scene the yes. next scene is the scene it's the oh boy wow yeah. i really did enjoy watching this again and this scene i still got like the warm fuzzies from it like if, if there was a nostalgic moment i had it was watching this scene because it was just great. Oh, like it's so I, good. Well, I still yeah. love it. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's like exactly what I want to happen to me. And I'm forty year, forty three years old. I would mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. somebody to do exactly this. I, I was this just happen. so so impressed with Watts and her and her uh, her uh, her cunning to put this to put this together and to not like lose her shit while doing it. Except for that, she ultimately does. She's like, "You're cool. I gotta go." I gotta go, but like, I was like, wow, she really, she did that. She played mm-hmm. that and uh, she well, played it very well. She stops him because he kind of starts getting into it and like grabs her a certain way. And then she's like, yeah, okay, we're done. And then she kind of like plays it off that yeah. she's mad at him. You know, she's like, yo, you know, that's how you repay a friend. Like, because he, he, grabs her but it's it is super super sexy scene it's well, my god it's like this it's is hot. yeah this is the the best this, is this the best scene in any john hughes movie maybe uh maybe. it's really good like it's like this is like fuck you pretty and pink like there is yeah. nothing in pretty and pink as close as this scene this scene is like watching this other night, i was like oh shit this is good like this is stone cold good so good Hot stuff, hachi machi. I don't, I don't know. It, it's probably because in Pretty in Pink, like their kissing is horrific. Oh god, like, it's so bad. He weird, has, he has, yeah. Like, no lips. It's all a lot of like yeah. not a lot happening there. There's sort like, of like, like, a, like, like uh, there's some, something about like, like, like nourishment in their kissing, where it's like, like I'm a hungry weasel in in, in the desert uh, <laughs> who's having an allergy attack, and um, Oh, that sounds bad. I love Andrew McCarthy. I mean, like Weekend at Bernie's is one of my favorite movies. Um, you don't have anyway. to go. It's, it's a chemistry thing. It's, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. And, when and he I, like digs his fingers into the sides of her hips. Mm-hmm. Woo! Mm-hmm. Get it. And, mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about, oh, we're talking about Keith and Lott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back there. And, and I know we've talked about Jeez. Eric Stoltz's eye, eyes mm-hmm. being gorgeous, but he also has incredible bone structure. So oh, when yeah. you're kissing, you're just like, like yeah. it's just good to go. It's like yeah. he's sort of no- like a hot. He's like a hot Luke Skywalker. He's like a hot Luke Skywalker. I'm giving it. We're we're doing it. Yeah, he's very good looking. I was gonna tell you about. Um, I have read um, one pornographic book in my life, and it was called. <laughs> I can't even say it because it would make me blush. But oh, cool. it, was, it was all about famous men uh, who are naked, right? So like Sylvester Stallone was in there and stuff like that. So it's just pictures of naked famous men. And Eric Stoltz is in there. 
and actually it wasn't that impressive. Hey man, um, <laughs> you but, don't know. Don't judge a book. You can judge a book by its cover, Amy. And you uh, might, and you might be able to think that you know how much it's going to cost. But when it's showtime, it's different. Don't, don't, don't be dogging on Eric Stoltz. You don't know. There's, all I'm there's, saying there's, there's a much more crass way to put what Sasha just said. But yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it the way Sasha. I, I know exactly. I was going to say it, but I'm glad that Sasha. <laughs> I feel like Sasha and I are both like holding back on saying the thing, like saying right. like the uh, the, the rhyme. Um, right, right. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. The couple. Low hanging fruit. Um, so we've talked about Keith's dad and money scene like a couple times over, but it's just probably okay. Obviously, the super kiss we just got over that we're all blushing and and Ooh, it was boy. amazing. But like this is actually my favorite scene in the movie because it does have the same quality as like, you know, in, in Pretty in Pink, the scene of course is when Andy um, confronts her father right. about right. the mom. Right. But that felt so dramatic to me, dramatic with a W. Whereas this one to me is like, it's just much more real. Like yeah. the way Taggart yells at him <laughs> oh, where's the <laughs> fucking money Keith? yeah, <laughs> he is, yeah. Which is, so he does lose his shit like he does like go where's the money you're gonna fucking put it back you know you have no fucking idea and, yeah. and then eric Soltz, of course comes back and and it's just so heartbreaking him talking about being the outsider it's really mm -hmm. heartfelt and then of course like when when the father acquiesces when he when he takes a moment to understand it it's beautiful it's a great scene but keith says believe me there's a good reason behind all this and i said out loud there is not exactly okay i as well i feel like there was there was a moment in time where perhaps george and i were watching this movie simultaneously yeah. and said and the exact like, same oh, thing yeah. at the exact same time no there isn't yeah no there isn't like money money really counts in this world and you know, and college you was have, important have, in the 80s you can, have, you can have a great date for like no money it's it's cool Just yeah like a couple cappuccinos some a, fucking a romantic tacos. walk yeah sure whatever I fucking diamond earrings kiss my ass seriously i really feel like the moment when he talks about being the outsider and being the kid that just like the, the parents don't always understand uh, to quote to misquote Will Smith. But yeah, like that that idea, like like you're an outsider. You're not. Cause like I don't know that John Ashton was cool, but he was probably okay. Like he was just, you know. What he notices is that his kid is suffering. Yeah, and because yes. he's suffering, he is going to do what he needs to do to support him in this moment, which he's been doing throughout the whole thing. He just you know, was doing it very focused on college and, and making yeah. sure be okay for his future. But it's just wonderful to see a character, especially Taggart, because it's so unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Just like fall into it. Yeah. Really it is. It's shocking when he, when he flips, turns on a dime like that. And yeah. Like, well, then let's talk about it. Whoa. It's oh, so oh. beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It's a lovely, lovely scene um that's then followed by the most ridiculous fucking date of all time it's just mm -hmm, ridiculous mm -hmm. this is absurd 
I will say that uh, skag is slang for heroin. It should be skank. Skank, just, exactly. Just, I, yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I thought this. Yeah, skag too. I was like, wait, skag? Huh? Yeah. You 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 score skag. You score with a skank. Yes. Or you score skag from a skank. Oh, even better. Even better. Right. Yeah, or your skank that. scores your skag for you. Ah, terrific! Terrific. <laughs> oh my okay. God. Okay. All right. Let's talk. Here about we go. So we're in it. We're in the date now. We're in the, the most ridiculous date ever, yeah. ever, ever. Yes. Oh, can I, I have to say about the caviar that they, they're getting. Oh yeah. Like, so it's Beluga caviar. It's the most expensive caviar ever. And he's literally purchased something like $800 worth for each. No shit. It's a bucket of it. Yeah, right. Man. For each of them, Why? they both have it. Like they both have. Oh my have, God. Like, like because you know I do like caviar a lot. Um, who are his grandparents? Where he's got that much money, right? The the number of T bills that are on that table. Like, and the thing is, is like he's still doing this spitefully, right? Because he's not yet revealed to her that he believes that she's in on this like horrible ruse to just get his ass kicked. So he's spending all of this money just to fuck just to spite her just to rub it in his face that he's just as good as hardy jen's but just fucking his own life up in the pro like it's so stupid it's dumb it's painfully it's dumb. stupid it is sweet of him that he does bring um some food yes. to watts though you know he, he does not bring her some some milk he just has all that no. for himself um so gross <laughs> yeah and she's so bitchy about it she's just like oh great i'll eat it while i fucking yeah. drive like she she yeah. kind of you know, well, I think because she's because she, she she's expecting, I think that this is going to go badly, and right. then when she sees it through the window that they're actually laughing and getting along, that's when it turns her back into this green-eyed monster, and she's just like so vicious and nasty, and then doing the fucking with the pedals, fucking with the gas and the brakes to right. try to mess up Amanda's makeup in the car <laughs> and everything. She says like, "Oh, if my dinner reeks, let me know. I'll put it in the trunk." Yeah. She's like, oh gosh, Watts, you signed up for Ooh. this. You did. Which is what he says yeah. to her. Like, why the fuck did you say you'd do this if you were gonna be yeah shitty about Not it? Not only say that you would do it, but but volunteered. Volunteered right, and dressed right. up for it, covered your tattoos look, and all. Like it really look, like look, went look, for it. I could have hired Ray to to be the uh, the driver, you know. Absolutely. And, <laughs> it made a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay, so then they go to the museum. But my first note is if a dude took me to a closed art museum, I would mm -hmm. be done. We'd be married. But then the oh. second I saw the portrait of myself, that <laughs> of me, right, smoke, right, especially then, if, if 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 your like hands were like out of proportion from with your face, which is sorry. <laughs> well, sorry. and also yeah. like a closed museum because so it would be like, oh, shit, where do I go? Like, how do right, I right. run away from this? So where, so where do I go? And what's with all of this uh, saran wrap everywhere? Right. Yeah. What's with this tarp on the ground? Yeah. So scared. But initially, when it first happens, like this dream date, like super yeah. on point. Like and I love that it's Duncan who gets him in there because his dad is the night guard. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. my third yeah. note. And him and his dad, Academy Award winning. Oh my God. Yes. That so feels like one of those moments where they were like, we need to figure out another way to get Duncan in this. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what they did because it's just so great. It's so great and that he's like the homie and is hooking it up for his friend yeah. to get in there for this date. It's great. And, and once again, we're all better for it. Right. 
Absolutely. And then, of course, the other members of Breakfast Detention Club, you know, have busted into the Hollywood Bowl for them and all of that. So they can go and hang out there. And then and then they have this like super real conversation. Right. Is this where he he, this is where he now reveals to her that like he knows that she's in on the ruse and she's like, no, I'm not. I'm just a sad person who has no spine and gave up on everything that I believe in because all I want is to not hate myself and where I'm from and be accepted by these horrible people. Yeah. I think Leah Thompson gives good monologue here. I like her monologue. I feel like it, I think she delivers it well. I think it works for the character. And, And here's, starts, this is the beginning of my problem with the ending here. He also gives her the earrings, uh-huh. which he immediately says, I cannot accept these. Yes, that's true. You know, and they do have this heart to heart, you know, who's using who, you know, and, and they really like get deep with each other and they kiss, right? It's not as hot as the other one, but they kiss. Now, before we even get to it, it's like they'd had a fantastic date. They talked about things. Yes. They got deep with each other. Yes. Which makes it really uncool what happens at the end. Yeah. And None of it end. makes sense. None of it. The logic is so flawed. Yeah. Amanda here says, this is insane. It doesn't make any sense. And my note here is, <laughs> Amanda gets it. Now, both Amanda and Watts are on, you know, they have joined forces to tell him, please, let's not go to this party. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible idea. Well, wait a and second. I'm yelling at the screen, like, please don't punch that pretty face. Like, because. It's a moneymaker. Did they not notice Watts was in the audience at the Hollywood Bowl watching them? Like, I know it's a big place, but if there's only one motherfucker there. No. How you miss that? Like, Based on Eric Stoltz's uh, perception of the world up to this point, yeah, he missed her. Yeah, he didn't he see her out there. Yeah. You uh, see. Absolutely. And at this point, Watts has been so shitty to Amanda that if Amanda did notice her, she was like, because you know Amanda knew. Uh-huh. Amanda knew uh-huh. that Watts had yeah. it for Keith because yeah. women aren't stupid, right? So <laughs> at this point, like, uh, like Watts has been so shitty to Amanda yeah. that if Amanda knew that Watts was out there, she was like, yeah, bitch, watch this. Here you go. Oh, see, I don't, I don't know about that, but it's just, I think it was like, oh, this is awkward. Well, I guess Keith doesn't mind. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know. Girls can be savage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Girls can be. Girls, girls can, can be, be real savage. Yeah. Yeah. So then they've, they've now managed to join forces of like, Keith, you're a moron. <laughs> Please, God, let's not do this, but yeah. we're going to do it anyway. Okay. And they get to the party. And of course, like the festivities pop off basically immediately. Right away, uh, Hardy's CPA sees them and like, oh, I got it. I, I saw something. I got to say something. Um. <laughs> the eagle has landed. And yep, yeah, he flies across the party to let him know that, you know, Amanda has has delivered yeah. the package. Yeah. And that's when we find out that that Hardy Jens is just a complete false Ugh. wuss. Mm-hmm. And commands, yeah, his his CPA and gang to take him <laughs> out back and and beat his ass. And it's just, it is so pathetic. But before oh, but before he says that, that, he says the nastiest line in the whole movie. 
The only thing that makes me happy about this is that you get her used. The whole thing here is Hardy slut shaming oh, Amanda disgusting. really hard, really hard, like nonstop. And she's almost like ready to just go and date him so he doesn't hurt. Yes. <laughs> you want me back? Okay, you have me back. Wait, what? Yeah, what? what? Yeah. No. The purpose of him standing up to him. I mean, because yes. she doesn't know that Duncan's coming and stuff. And I'm really <laughs> bummed at the way that they took the teeth out of the moment where she slaps him and then they do this really cheesy double take between right. Keith and Duncan when they finally crash the party, right. right? Now that they all feel safe to act up because obviously right. Hardy can't do anything to them. She slaps him in the... If she had slapped him and then Duncan showed up, that would have been a little bit more progressive and strong. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, like, Duncan showing up is a great thing. Yes. Oh yeah, Duncan. Duncan saves the day, just like Duncan saves the movie. To be fair, and that, that's not completely true. The movie's great, but he's he like lifts it. He's a shining he? light for sure. Yeah. And of course, the greatest moment in the movie, other than the kiss, is when when he puts his head on Amanda's <laughs> shoulder. Right. Which apparently <laughs> was an improv. Then the real problem happens. They've had this great date. They've triumphed <laughs> over evil. And then they stand on the front lawn and ostensibly nothing, nothing triggers this memory yeah. for Keith of kissing Watts, leaning up against the car, dejected as she is. And then it's just over. I mean, Amanda mm -hmm. says she's got to stand on her own. Yes, true. But he's already there in his mind. He's already with right. Watts. It just, just, just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's super there's no logic and it's just a way to like tidy up the ending real quick. It's, and I feel like there's gotta be a little bit more for Keith to like, like there is a point like when they're kissing, like the kissing thing with Watts where it's like all of a sudden he's like, he's into it. But then he's like immediately not. Right. So like had she stormed the party with Duncan and stood up for right. him as well and like really right. clowned the shit out of Hardy and like just showed herself yeah. for being the down ass home chick that she is and sparked something <laughs> yes. like that in him, you yeah. know? I was thinking uh, if, if she would have come in with Hardy, uh, with them in some ways, and Hardy started burling into her, like calling her names, and then yes. he pushes her sure. on behalf of, of of Watts as opposed to on the behalf of Amanda. It would be something. But but the thing is, is that- Had anything happened. Anything. anything. Happened. Instead of him spending a whole movie pining over this of Amanda, finally getting her on a date, having a phenomenal fucking date with her that gets deep and has a kiss and has this like, you know, triumph over evil moment to then two seconds later, sees Watts has a flashback and decides to give her earrings and be with her instead like it's just it's depleting it was it, it, yeah. and it's funny i don't remember that from watching it but this time it was like what the fuck some, some kind of wonderful disappointment just yeah. yeah there's a moment when when amanda's taking off the earrings and like does the whole thing about like standing on her own it is really cameron trashing the ferrari in um ferris bueller it, it's the exact same moment right but it doesn't land as much because it's like, well, what do we do now? Because this is all so fucking aloof. Like, it's yeah. just, we're not anywhere. That said, I, I like the ending of the movie. 
I, I, because I'm, I'm team Watts all the way. Yeah. I'm team yeah. Amanda. Oh, interesting. I am team Amanda. I think Amanda's complicated. She's got I don't a hard know time. if you and I and have ever disagreed so much on a movie before. <laughs> I'm amazing. I'm 100% team wow. Amanda. And maybe it's because I identify with her more, you know, just in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. I just don't get how you have like such a great date with some dude. And then all of a sudden, like drop, you're with somebody else. I don't know. Yeah. So I actually did. I really didn't like the ending. And it just made me think like maybe it just because we've got all these. We've done it like in mm -hmm. this film numerous times. Like, number one, I didn't want to like this because I don't want to like John Hughes movies anymore. Like, there's part of me just after, like, yeah. learning shit and watching all of them. It's just like, maybe I just fucking hate this director. But, you know, oftentimes he's really called this, you know, visionary voice of teenagers in the 80s. But is it really him just chopping and changing the same scenes and just putting them together in different I know, ways? I know. The more we just do, go into the John Hughes thing, you're like, wait a second, there's a like... Yeah, you just right. did it with the Cameron moment. Right. It's like, is that just I, what he did? I think that, that I think that there are things that stand alone. I, I think that, that Breakfast Club is sort of its own thing. There are things that like, kind of trail off of it. I think, yeah, you could say that Weird Science and uh, Sixteen Candles are like, you could put those together. Like he he makes these sort of like mirror films. Um, but like even just scenes that- like, Yeah, no, right. Well, you're right, yeah. And I think that you, you, you we, we've done a really good job of like not talking a ton about Pretty and Pink, but like, you, it's almost like you can't watch this movie if you haven't seen Pretty and Pink. Like right. it- like this film fills in the weird gaps that are in Pretty in Pink. And this film has some really fucking weird gaps. Like the, the why does the nightclub thing happen? And you wouldn't think about that unless you would just watch, if you would just watch right. Pretty in Pink and then saw this like, oh yeah, of course they go to a nightclub because that's what you do. It, it's, it's weird. It's like, you can't have one without the other. Interesting, yeah. And I mean, I think the irony is, is of course this film was made because he was unhappy with the ending Right. Uh, pretty in pink and then this movie is like the ending doesn't really make good on it in my opinion mm -mm. at all it like it, again it like just hurries it along it's like wait what yeah what there? Needed, okay. it, it, you know they just needed that one moment in the end there to make it work yeah yeah this is a weirder movie than pretty in pink um i think this movie is an album and Pretty in Pink is like the greatest hits. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like hit scenes, like in yeah. Pretty in Pink, there's like a lot of up. And this is sort of like, well, you gotta listen to the whole album to get the whole thing. I'm just gonna go down the line with you guys. Um, Andy or Keith, the two redheaded leads of these two movies. Andy or Keith? Gotta be Andy. Uh, Andy. Yeah, it's gotta be yeah. Andy. Keith is just too for wait for what for what though for just, character just like for all, prettiness like who you know like overall which these right. are overall this is oh, like Andy like Andy A or B Andy, Andy. Yeah. Andy? okay I know I like I want I want to I want to pick Keith because we have similar tastes in art and uh, he's just so pretty I'm gonna uh, I don't know Andy though is she has Andy is like she's independent she yeah. makes she. She has, right. she has agency. Whereas, right. okay, for me, it's Andy. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
um, two days ago before, if I hadn't rewatched Pretty in Pink, I would have said Keith, but it's, uh, all right, Ducky or Watts? I'm going to say Watts. This is fucking with my whole perception of how I feel about these two movies because part of me wants to say Ducky because he, he, I loved him so much. I think Ducky's a lot more fun than Watts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fun is always going to win, in my opinion, over Dwama. Sure. You know, two yeah. days of a dude. Yeah, she's she's yeah. not very fun, is she? She's not at all. You know, and that's, that's horrible to say, like, you know, thing and like women should be fun, but oh yeah, right. She, she's like, even if it was, if there were two men, it would just be like that guy's funnier. Right. Yeah. right. Like, like, I don't know if I mentioned this on the first time I was on the show, but one of my favorite things to do is to tell women on the street to smile. Um, oh man, he does do that. By the way, he does. You should smile. Who more. does that? Yeah. He yeah, does. He does. He, he, does. he oh, tells her you really? have good. You have a beautiful Ugh. smile. You should smile more. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, gross. yeah. It does happen. It does Ugh. happen. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, Ducky or Watts? Ducky. I mean, you you can also all right, Ducky. Yeah. Okay, I'm going Ducky. Yeah. Okay. And 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 just because like try a little tenderness. Oh yeah. Well, it's the yeah. lip sure. sync. It's oh, the lip it's, sync. It's, and it's the heart great. on the sleeve that he actually revealed his feelings and was like out yeah. there with it. Yeah. No, it's that's 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 solid. Um okay, this is the weird one. Um Iona or Duncan the skinhead. I'm gonna go with Duncan. This, this one is so brutal. Like this is, this is hard, but I'm gonna go I should have saved this one for last. This is so hard. Oh, I I I can't that's I'm God, it's really hard. Wait, now I'm back. No, Amy like, oh. is like like Amy is freaking out right now. This is hard. I'm, 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 gonna I'm go narrating for the I'm holding Duncan. Duncan. Okay. All the rest of them were super Duncan. easy, and this one is like painful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does. It hurts. Actually, this they they actually serve the same purpose where they're yes. kind of the highlight of both. They're the best things. I I it, it, I'm narrow. It's a narrow edge for me. It's Duncan. Um, Duncan wins because he improved his lines and. Because okay. Iona, I don't, she has one bad moment where she has Chinese makeup on. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. I'm almost done here. Steph or Hardy. I think we all know where we're going to go here. So yeah. obviously Steph. Steph. So like, this is the thing, right? The characters in Pretty in Pink are better, but the relationships are better in yes. some kind of wonderful. Right. Amy? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So good. Steph, steps. Steph with side of fries. <laughs> okay um harry dean harry dean or john ashton mm. i'm going john john ashton. Ashton. i am i am i'm gonna go john ashton too yeah, john ashton. yeah. okay and oh boy we're really we're really there's a reason that we're friends we're really lined up here i mean not that we should agree on everything you know okay the last one blaine or amanda jones this is really painful for me <laughs> Mine's obvious. I, I'm Amanda Jones all the way. Amanda Jones, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Amanda Jones. Okay. Blaine. Okay. Do it. Yeah. I'm gonna go Amanda Jones because here's the thing: Blaine was a fucking chicken shit. Yeah. Amanda Jones at least stood yeah. up at the end of it. Blaine was a fucking coward yes. and fuck him. So. Yeah, he was. He's just a boring, nebbishy kind of guy. Yeah. Whereas Amanda Jones has a lot going on. There's a lot going on with her. Again, yeah. if the if the script was that he was going to end up with her at the end, he maybe would have played it differently as an actor. So. But here's the thing. Wow. 
So I have one last question, and this is all I have left but from my notes, my pages and pages of notes. Oh, I love this quiz. This is my favorite um, thing on every time with the quiz. And I don't know if you guys asked this. I think we talked about like, do do Blaine and Andy end up together? And we said no. Do 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 we say this already? Do Keith and Watts end up together? Like, does it last? Does it last? So in, interestingly enough, in the original script, if you read the IMDB notes, um, it said that he actually proposed marriage. What a fucking uh, idiot. Sorry. <laughs> like what fucking, like if you're 18, fuck off. Sorry. Fucking milk drinking ass motherfucker. What the fuck, you dipshit. <laughs> fuck off, you dickhead. Sorry, he's pretty, but fuck off. Fuck it's just you. just ridiculous. Are you serious? I mean, like, I've been 18, okay? Uh, fuck off. What a dickhead. Sorry. Sorry, that really hit me hard. That's just so absurd. Like, it just gets that worse a... and worse with this guy. So many choices, all of them bad. I, I mean, I just don't think anybody ends up with the person they were, you know crazy about at 18 and i know there's stories out there i i know yeah. george did yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, shit. In, in, in a roundabout way i absolutely did yes yes so okay. well this defeats me i am much more cynical i do not I mean, think that they last i think he's too fucking stupid i think she's too fucking dramatic i think I, they but i i i think that like, nisha said this like like I don't know that they end up together, but I think that they end up being friends. Like they might have kids yeah. together and they might be friendly. They don't ever hate each other. Right. Unlike Blaine and Andy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think that's nice. You know, we, we answered most of the questions the same way. I think that we're in the 80 percentile. And then with like all, all of us being crazy uh, helps. Um, we don't have to end the episode, but I just want to let all of your listeners know because we answered so many things correctly um everyone is entitled uh to a free jones cola at participating hardy's restaurants um now we don't know which ones are participating uh because jones is usually only carried in grocery stores uh so good luck uh, check the hardy's website for uh jones colas um that's, so, a yeah, really, that's so, a really exciting promotion for our fans. George, thank you so yeah. much for bringing that over from more scene. I, I just, really I figured it, it, it fits here. Like we, well, we don't have anywhere to, to promote Hardee's. Let's, uh, let's do it here. I know. So, I mean, so are we doing this? I guess we could. On a transatlantic flight, yes. on the way to go visit Amy in Wales, would you watch Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, or, you know, one of Liam Neeson's spy movies. Yeah. Uh, I would do some kind of wonderful just because, I don't know, I like Watts' gloves. What about you, Sasha? I, you know, weirdly, I think, I think I'd, I would watch both of them, but I would, again, start with Pretty in Pink. You know. Just because it's a more up. It's a more up kind of movie. Right, right. I think I would, I agree. I'd start with that. And then, because like, it really should be watched one after the other. Yeah. Cause they fill in each other and they become one good movie. I have to agree with Sasha. I do think 
that some kind of wonderful is a superior film. And I so enjoy like looking at Eric Stoltz's face. <laughs> he's, my God, he's beautiful. He's really, really, really attractive. Again, again, but, as a straight, as a straight white man, uh, Eric Stoltz is hot. So thank you all so much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. And thank you, George, for coming back. We hope you will do many, many, many more episodes with us in the future. As for the rest of y'all, if you liked what you heard, please pop on over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. You'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time... DM us with any comments, questions, complaints. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, please don't be a guat. <laughs>